1: Heel tough blog podcast hey guys and welcome to this edition of the heel tough blog podcast it's a special streaming show for you guys it is a recap of the 2021 early signing period that just wrapped up earlier today so Zach Hubbard back with me uh, you, of course he is our recruiting guy you guys know that so uh, we're glad that he is back with us to help us walk uh, you know through this uh, great night uh, for a great group of young players for the Toriels. this is the best class um, you know pretty much on paper if you look at it this is probably the best class that Carolina has ever put together it was only 18 guys in the class a lot of the other classes that Carolina has had that has been Anywhere near this, in comparison uh, to rankings, have been huge classes. This one was not. Carolina ends up bringing in just 18 guys, but a lot of really good quality in this recruiting class. And so, Zach, uh, you know, this is definitely something that I think a lot of people uh, are very excited about on the Tar Heel front, and not only just the Tar Heel front, but the national front as well. There are a lot of people that, you know, are talking about this class for Carolina. They're a team that, you know, made, you know, some pretty decent headlines on the 24-7 show. They talked a lot about them on the ESPN recruiting show, and that's a position that Carolina has never really been in. They've been a team that's been mentioned before as, you know, having top 25 classes but this is just a whole new level for caroline and i think uh fans can definitely get used to it
0: yeah absolutely i mean you look at just the general overview of this class national rank of 13 uh which is third in the acc in terms of the average ranking as per the 247 composite would put it in the top 10 and i think on the national stage some of that um, hyper-prestige is really just looking at the ACC as a whole and looking for who's going to be the team that challenges Clemson. We know that college football is cyclical. We know that teams go through these cycles of you know highs and lows throughout their program. So you know Clemson, in recent history, has established themselves as sort of the cream of the crop in uh, the ACC. You have schools such as Florida State and Miami that um, are you know considered uh, historic. Programs that are in the ACC, but haven't really hit that level, obviously. Miami having a good season this year, but it hasn't hit that same level of year-after-year uh, competition with Clemson. So, you know, you go down that list, you look at who's going to be the program that's going to challenge Clemson. And on a lot of people's minds, that's North Carolina. Specifically, when you look at the classes, not only last year, but this year, that they're able to sign um, 18 total signees, quite a number of those being what we would consider blue chip prospects, whether you consider that four star or five star or top 500, whatever metric you want to use for top 500 exclusively, um, 16 of the 18 guys would fit to that description. I mean, that's how you build a a quality program. That's how you build an ACC, a conference contender, and that's how you build a national contender, um, hitting specifically on several spots in this class, uh, particularly quarterback, uh, defensive line, and linebacker. You look at the first two, quarterback and defensive line, those are two of the you know, key sort of position groups to any team. You look at how Clemson's done it, the Clemson model, they've really, uh, up until the past few years, they've had it recruited at a you know a top three or top five level, but they hit on these particular sort of impact positions like quarterback and defensive lines. So sort of following that same model, it's not hard to see why – People are looking at North Carolina as an up and comer, not only just in the ACC but at the national stage.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think that's a really good point. Um, you know, there's there's very few teams that. Can just come in and automatically uh, be ge- be great at recruiting. There's never a down period for them. Um, I mean, you, of course, you know you're a, a diehard fan of one of the teams that kind of just debunks that mantra in Alabama. But nobody is really going to get to that level. I think that's a great point, though, is that Clemson has been able to you know sort of just find these these guys that you know come in. They're pretty highly ranked, but they turn these guys into superstars. Even though you know they may be four stars, they may have a pretty good amount of upside. They turn Turn these guys into the best guys in college football. And Carolina, you can see that they're starting to do that even a little bit early on under Mac Brown. And it's not even some of those guys that are just four stars as well. I mean, you know, there's some guys that have seen some time this year, Desmond Evans, who's been really encouraging Dequarius Conley, guys that we knew were gonna step up. But then you're also talking about guys like Cayman Rucker who came in, a guy that was rated outside of the top one thousand prospects when we were talking about him this time last year. He came in this year and has arguably been the best freshman on the defensive line for Carolina. So those are the types of guys that you're trying to look for. Carolina's got a couple of those guys in this class. We're going to kind of break that down a little bit. We're going to give you a look at, you know, some of the attributes for this class. We always usually like to do that anyways. You know, the guys that, you know, maybe we're most intrigued by, most likely to contribute early on. Um, Some of the sleepers. I mean, the guy that, you know, I had on there last year, didn't really play a whole lot this year, but you never really know down the line. Um, there's, There's, you know, a lot of really cool things That we really want to delve into uh, when it comes to this class, Um, but yeah, I mean, you look at the top of of the class, and you know, we'll just go through, you know, some of the you know statistics for Carolina um, in terms of the guys that they land. They land a five-star for the second straight class, technically, because remember that Tony Grimes reclassified to the 2021 class. So Carolina for the second straight class will bring in a five-star in Keyshawn Silver, the strong-side defensive end. This was a guy that you know ESPN had him in the top 10 and from hearing a lot of the different services talk about him today. This was a guy that they felt if he would have played his senior year of high school football at Rocky Mount High School in Rocky Mount, North Carolina, he could have climbed even further, probably inside uh, of the top 10 in most recruiting services. They really liked what they saw from him, but unfortunately, with the state of North Carolina and everything that's happened with COVID 19, he did not get to play. As you mentioned, you bring in Drake May at quarterback, another highly touted quarterback that you can add to your quarterback room. I mean, remember, just a few years ago, this quarterback room was run by Nathan Elliott, a former three star guy that, you know, a lot of people didn't even know when he originally came to Carolina if he would stick at quarterback. He was an athletic guy that they felt could move potentially to a different spot if he wasn't being used there. After of course, Rat didn't pan out. Now you're sitting in a, in a, in a position where Drake Mays going to have a chance to come in and compete for a backup spot with Jacoby Criswell. But you feel confident that just based on recruiting these guys, you have guys that can make – an impact that can help you continue what's going on right now at quarterback. Now, again, you know, we're going to discuss this probably more as we go throughout next year and we get towards the end of the season next year and find out what Sam Howell is going to do. It's going to be really hard to duplicate what Sam Howell has done at Carolina. That's not what we're saying. We're not saying, look, that's got to be the goal for Drake May, but there's still a chance that he'll be able to continue that. And then, I mean, there's some other guys. I mean, the defensive side of the football, I know a lot of people were really hammering the fact that they wanted to see Carolina add some big names on the defensive side of the football. You got Reneria, Ra, Dilworth at outside linebacker. He's a guy that slipped into the top 100 rankings. On you know the twenty four seven composite rankings, um, he's just an athletic guy that, that can cover so much space, whether it's in run defense or in terms of getting out in coverage. You got Power Eccles, uh, probably the smartest player in this entire class in terms of a guy that just doesn't get out of position a lot, but he's such a great athlete, can close space really quick, and really makes you pay at the point of attack. That he's going to be a problem at the next level. Javari Ritzy another guy. Uh, inside of the top 150, a guy that's drawn comparisons to Jeffrey Simmons, who's a current defensive tackle for the Tennessee Titans. People that are a little more into college football may remember him from Mississippi State as well. Um, and that really excites me. If you, I mean, Jeffrey Simmons was one of my favorite prospects coming out when he got drafted a few years ago. And when I turned on the film for Ritzy, I thought, you know, this is, this is not a wild comparison. This makes a lot of sense. Those are the types of things that should excite people. And then even on the offense. Gavin Blackwell at wide receiver. J.J. Jones at wide receiver as well. And Kobe Paceauer. A great trio there. One that kind of looks similar and can replace what you're losing in De'Ami Brown. Uh, as well as Daz Newsome and eventually Bo Corrales after next year because we, of course, know that Bo is coming back. you got Kamara Edmonds who could compete for reps in a backfield that looks like it could be wide open. And then the main area where Carolina needed to address on the offensive side of the ball in this class, the offensive line once again. We saw against Notre Dame that if Carolina wants to get to the next level, they've got to bring in talent on that offensive line. You bring in four-star offensive tackle Eli Sutton, I mean, look, he's rated, you know, 254 overall. I've seen him, you know, I've watched his tape. i watched a game of him. I watched another game of him later on in the year that I actually didn't scout because I, you know, had another game that was scheduled that didn't go off, but I got in late. um, So I didn't really want to have to scramble and, you know, just – pick up halfway through a game. But I love everything that I've seen from him. He's a fantastic prospect. He fits exactly what this team needs. Diego Pounds reminds me a lot of Joshua Zudu. All these things combined... Just continue to sum up how exciting this class is. We've been excited for classes before. We were excited when Mac Brown flipped Sam Howell. We were excited, you know, a couple of times during the Larry Fedora era where he found some of these gems in the rough, or even landed some really big guys like when he went into the state of South Carolina and landed Quinchon Davis. But this just feels different. This is something that we haven't felt at Carolina, and you know, Zach, I, I think this is one of the biggest things we've touched on it a lot so far uh, in this recruiting cycle, but. Carolina did it in the home state. They took care of business at home, and that is what has allowed them to be this successful in this recruiting class.
0: Absolutely, and I think it's really, really special because not a lot of programs can do this um, either at the you know the top or the bottom of the recruiting rankings within college football. I mean, you look at the teams that you sit, you typically see near the top of the rankings, such as your Alabamas, your Ohio States your Clemsons, your Georgias, they can't lock down their own states. In some instances, their state is too big. Uh, in the instance of Georgia, there's too much talent. People are gonna come in and you know take it. In some instances, they have multiple uh, power five teams that are playing at a high level, that are recruiting at a high level. Um, and in some states, they just don't have as much talent. So those bigger programs, they have the ability and really have to, to get the classes that they have, recruit nationally while some of your smaller programs Uh, will still recruit uh, at a local level, but also have to recruit nationally just to fill in enough guys. So, you know, North Carolina really sits in the sweet spot where they're, you know, they're not a top-five recruiter right now. They're also not near the bottom, but they're moving up. They're continuously moving up. And they sit in a state that's not as populous as a georgia a florida a california a texas but it's still teeming with talent and teaming with talent that's looking for a place close to home where they can play high level college football and look forward to the nfl draft potentially in the future so uh, i really think that um north carolina has really emerged as this option within the region not only within north carolina but with within the surrounding states as compared to uh, Tennessee, as compared to South Carolina, as compared to Virginia, where they've gotten uh, commits from all three of those states, uh, not including North Carolina in this class. So, you know, the surrounding area alongside North Carolina, uh, Matt Brown's staff has really established that as an area. And I think, um, you know, in a lot of these recruitments, if you're not necessarily a prospect that's going directly to Clemson or to, uh, Ohio State or to Georgia uh, with those programs, and even in some instances, uh, prospects that had those offers and were in those battles. North is a really appealing offer outside of a lot of schools right now that just aren't, aren't offering the same platform that North Carolina is.
1: Yeah, I, and I think that also goes back to, you know, they're looking for a challenger in the ACC for, for Clemson. And, uh, you know, I think that there is always some hesitancy because we've been hearing for a long time about how Carolina is a sleeping giant, everything like that. But I think, you know, this past weekend's game against Miami, I think showed it. This team right now should be the favorite to be the biggest challenger to Clemson. What they're doing on the recruiting trail, the games that they're winning. Now, They, you know, it's a totally different discussion. It's something that, of course, we're going to get into when we recap the, you know, on-field season. Uh, They've got to be able to beat teams like Florida State and Virginia. That's something, if you want to be able to get into the college football playoff, if you want to be able to recruit five stars even more consistently than you're doing right now, you're going to have to be able to win those types of games. But I think that people see opportunity here. And, you know, the other thing about this class that was just so great about you know, them being able to come in, lock down the state as quickly as they were. This was a legendary class for the state of North Carolina. This is the most talent that the state of North Carolina has had. 14 of the guys that are in this class. Are, you know, guys that come from the state of North Carolina. It was at one time 15 with Kobe Paceauer, and every single one of those guys is ranked inside the top 700. And the guy that's the lowest ranked of those guys, the only guy that's outside of the top 500, we heard a lot today from a lot of different sites that if Caleb Hood had been able to play in the fall, he would have been much higher on a lot of lists. The people loved him as an athlete, they thought his versatility was going to really pay off for him at the next level. Um, apparently, you know, just seeing some stuff on social media from our guy Jacob Turner over at Tar Heel Illustrated, who we've had on here quite a few times. Um, you know, at the BTO Sports uh, Combine that they did, Caleb went out there. You know, had some reps at running back, which is the position that they think he's going to end up playing because it seems very unlikely that he'll play quarterback. And apparently he thrived. He was one of the, you know, best showing guys there at running back. And this is a guy that's never played running back his entire career. He's always been a quarterback. So there is just so much to be excited about. And this was such a key class for Carolina to come in and lock down in the state. You know, we talked about it when it comes to the 22 class. That's where you're going to have to go, make some inroads in places like Virginia, um, maybe even the state of Georgia. But in this class, for sure, you had to take care of the state of North Carolina, and they did. So let's get to some of those, um, you know, the uh, mantras that we want to hand out. Um, You know, I, I think... You know, you look at this class. Um, I, I think it's it, it's pretty easy. A lot of people probably, off the top of their head, would say Keyshawn Silver, Raniere Dilworth, probably the guys that they're most excited for in this class. Are one of those two guys the guy that you're most excited about in this class, Zach?
0: Well, for me, and you know, if people have been listening to these recruiting podcasts and where we've talked about the class, they know my affection, my affiliation with Ranieri or He is one of my, if not my favorite players in the class. And, you know, the first thing that jumps out about him is speed. When you look at modern defenses, uh, speed is one of the most important things that you can have in a prospect, as well as versatility. I think that, you know, Ranieri checks both of those boxes. Just a blazing fast player. There was some questions, you know, initially in, this, in his recruitment of what position he can play, and he does offer that versatility to play, you know, not necessarily a traditional inside linebacker, but more a modern inside linebacker, or potentially safety in some aspects, or the kind of linebacker safety hybrid um, position that we've seen rise in college football. You know, we've often compared him to former Clemson standout Isaiah Simmons. You go put on that, the first thing you notice is just how he flies around to the ball carrier uh, and it's really a rare treat to see uh, people will look at numbers they'll look at you know size they'll look at weight they'll look at all that but as uh, you put on that film you see the way that he moves around and impacts each play that he's involved in it's really really incredible to watch he's a guy that I think will be an early impact guy if not uh, playing minute will definitely be a special teamer just because on kickoffs he'll be able to fly down the field and you get after ball carriers, and I'd say if there's one guy that I'm the most excited about, it's got to be Ra Ra.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good one. I'm going to go a little off the uh, the the radar here for for in terms of probably most people's favorites. But you remember that when we landed Power Eccles. Back, uh, you know, early in the recruiting cycle, I was extremely excited about this young man. Um, I just like everything about his game. I mean, look, like I said, he's probably the smartest player in this class, and and that's not a slight to anybody else. I think Ra Ra Dilworth is a very smart player, knows how to you know keep himself in a good position and be able to cover the space that he needs to. But it's very very rare. Any of the times that I've seen Power Echoes play, any of the film that I've seen on him, for him to get out of position, it does. It just does not happen. He covers space so quickly. The short area quickness is amazing. And when he gets to you, he will make you pay when he tackles you. He hits you hard. He likes physicality. That's something that you want to see from your linebackers. And, you know, he's just a guy that fits what Carolina wants in their inside linebackers. Now, again, he's a guy probably similar to Dilworth. He's going to have to put on some weight. We know that. That could take a little bit of time. But with the physical nature that he plays with, with how smart of a football player he is, and the skill set that he possesses, I think there's a legitimate chance that you can see both him and ra Dilworth play very significant reps for Carolina in year one. And again, I mean, you look, you know, you're going to bring back Jeremiah Gimel. You'll lose Chad Serratto, though. And, you know, there's some guys. You got Eugene Asante. You got Kadri Jackson, who a lot of people really like, including myself. But these guys are really talented as well. They're going to get in there. They're going to battle. Uh, both guys, as of right now, I think, are going to enroll early. So, yeah, Carolina's got a really good chance to have you know another great Linebacking tandem. I thought that Chad Surratt and Jeremiah Gimmel were great. These are two guys that are born and bred for the positions that they're going to play in this defense. So I think it's going to really work out well. You know, when you look at you know early impact guys, I think that you know we'll go outside of the guys that we've already talked about. I, you know, I agree with you. I think Rara Dilworth will have an impact as well. I think there's a chance that Power Eccles does. But is there another guy maybe that you you look at and say to yourself, this guy can come in and make an immediate an impact for the Tar Heels here uh, in the 2021 season that'll come next fall?
0: I think there is, and it's a position that North Carolina has recruited a lot of in the past few cycles, uh, that position being the defensive line. Um, But defensive line is a position in which you have a lot of rotation and, you know, they're always going to be looking for new bodies there, even with uh, the guys that they have playing a lot of snaps right now, uh, Ray Bohasic, Tamari Fox, um, Jaleel Taylor, they're going to need guys that can step in and play a role and be early impact. You saw a little bit of that this past fall for guys like Kevin Hester and Miles Murphy, Murphy. So one of my top early impact guys would be Keyshawn Silver. Uh, the top-rated prospect within the class as per the 247 composite. A five-star prospect. Really just an animal at the defensive end position. Really, really good taking on um, you know, blocks from offensive linemen are really good at rushing the pass. they just a very, very natural athlete. Um, and I think that's one of the things that obviously North Carolina wanted to work on and continue on this past season. And we did see a little bit of that, of the pass rush sort of, you know, progressing, progressing in the most recent Miami game. But it's still an area they want to be able to affect the quarterback um, consistently not only from their edge rushers, but from the interior and really put pressure on the backfield. So I think that Keyshawn Silver as a name there, the defensive line position, could be a name for an early impact guy.
1: Yeah, oh, definitely. I think uh, Keyshawn's definitely got the skill set. He's got everything that you need. You love the size already on him. Um, and, and, yeah, I think uh, both him and Jabari Ritzy have a chance. I'll, you know, Again, go outside the box just a little bit. One of the areas that was concerning for me, and we'll get to see it again in the bowl game, and I'll be interested to see if there's any changes, is the safety position and how much guys struggle in one-on-one coverage in the middle of this Tar Heel defense this year. You know, Don Chapman was a guy that showed a lot of promise as a true freshman, this Pat, you know, this year as a sophomore, you know, he's been up and down. He's had some moments where he struggled. Same thing with Cameron Kelly once he took over the starting job after Miles Wolfolk left. So, I think Dontavius Nash has a chance to come in here and compete for some early snaps and potentially make an early impact for the Tar Heels. You know, he's going to be an early enrollee. He's a guy that you know. He is listed as a safety, but most of his time in high school he spent as an outside corner. So he's got the man-to-man coverage skills. He he was put in a lot of one-on-one situations, and at Carolina, that's going to be part of this defense with Jay Bateman. Jay Bateman's a very aggressive defensive coordinator. It's something that we've seen, you know, we saw at times in year one, but we saw even more this year, and I think we're going to continue to see it at that same level going forward because. It, you know, when you have the guys that can cover it, it works. And we saw as the year went along, once you started to get some of the younger guys in there that could cover space really well, you saw the ability of this team to really lock down, force throwaways, force, you know, coverage sacks. That's what Carolina is looking for. Dontavius Nash sort of fits what Carolina wants, so I think it'll be interesting to see him get in there in that you know in that safety area where, I mean, again, you, you look at some of the guys that are back there, you know, Jaquarius Conley right now is at the nickel. We thought that we would potentially see him at free safety, but it looks like they're probably pretty comfortable with leaving him at nickel. That means that you've got Cameron Roseman Sinclair, and, and Roseman Sinclair is a guy that can handle himself in coverage. He's an underrated cover guy. Um, you know, I think he gets a, a rap as a guy that's really more of an in-the-box, you know, a, a run-stopping, safety, but he's a guy that can cover, but Dontavius Nash really fits what Carolina is looking for, so it'll be interesting to see if they can slide in. Um, so yeah, uh, we're, we're about 10 minutes from uh, getting ready to hear from some of the prospects coming up, so uh, the last thing I'll ask you, Zach, before I get ready to let you go, and then we'll of course run through the class one more time, get our last thoughts on it. Um, in terms of, you know, some of the accolades that we're handing out, who do you think is the most underrated prospect in this class? Because, you know, we saw, as I talked about when we opened the show. Kamen Rucker was a guy that not a lot of people had on their radar. They thought he was a project, he had to add weight, where exactly did he fit in this defense. He came in and has made a huge impact this year and looks like he's gonna be a big part of the Carolina rotation on the defensive line for years to come. So is there a guy maybe towards the bottom of the class that you're looking at and think to yourself, man this guy's rating maybe isn't quite as high as the impact that I see him eventually having?
0: Yeah, well, with the class being so full of these high rated players and not really, you know, a full 25, it's difficult to look here at the bottom and pick a guy, you know, that would be a sleeper because he even might be a four star. Uh, so, my, you know, my pick for a guy that I think could be, you know, playing a little bit higher than his ranking would be the most recent addition to the Targo class in uh, wide receiver tight end, uh, Bryson Nesbitt. Uh, Sort of, as we discussed prior, more of a raw athlete type at this time, former basketball player that doesn't have a ton of football experience yet. Uh, If you just look at how college football has evolved, particularly in the passing game, if you look at a lot of these offenses, uh, specifically this past year, if you look at an offense like Florida uh, with their tight end, Kyle Pitts, that has been a really, really solid player for him down there. If you have a solid receiving tight end, not only in the red zone uh, to make an impact, you know, in short yardage situations, going up and getting the football, but if, if you just have a guy that can go out and be athletic and make plays, not only in short yardage, but in the middle of the field, essentially acting like you know uh, a, a fourth receiver, or that's going to ask you know for safeties to come down and cover him and leave. You know less help over the top with those wide receivers if you add another threat in the passing game it can be a nightmare for defenses and i really think that bryson nested with that athletic background i think that he can really fill into that role uh listed today in um mike brown's post post signing day conference listed him at about 240 pounds which is right in that area where. You know, He would be a big wide receiver, maybe a little bit smaller tight end, so might need to gain a little bit of weight just to help him in the blocking aspect of being a tight end. But I think if Phil Longo in this offense can add sort of that component with a fourth passing option outside of just those wide receivers and then occasionally the running back, I really, really think that even as explosive as this offense is, um, you can take it almost to the next level there
1: by having that just – an additional option there. Uh, as a receiving threat. Yeah, I, I, I mean, we talked about it when he committed. You know, this is, you know, he's a guy that's going to help you in the red zone. Um, but again, he is very raw. And I think that, that you know, that lends very well to being an underrated prospect. I think there, you know, again, you look at the star rating, you think to yourself, okay, you know, there's a lot here. But then when you kind of dive into him a little bit more, you learn that he's only been playing for one year. You turn on the film and you see, you know, he played for a team that, you know, was 0 and 11. You watch the film and you see he was easily the best player on the field for them. So, of course, he was going to get targets his way. So, you know, does he actually live up to the star rating, I think, it, is, is a general concern that that is justified. But, um, yeah, I think, you know, there's a lot of things. Now, I'm interested to see, will he stay and play his senior year at South Mech in, uh, in the in the spring, will he stay there for fe- in February? Play out another year of high school football, which I think could be beneficial to him. I think you know either way that he goes, I-, I don't think would hurt him. If he comes to Carolina, he's pretty much a you know a ball of clay. He's only had one year of football, so there's a lot of things that you could mold him into. Um, the weight thing that doesn't really concern me. You know, Garrett Walston was a guy that came in very light as well. We thought he was going to be a guy that was going to fit as a receiving tight end. By the time he left Carolina, we knew that you know he's a guy that is going to help you on the edges. I mean, he's still helping you on the edges. Look, he was part of that group that helped you run for 554 yards the other day against Miami. So, this staff, I'm confident that they can mold him into a guy that can help. You know, I'm going to go with Diego Pounds. I think you look at the the rating, and then you turn on the film, and you say to yourself, how is this guy not at least a four star? And again, he's inside the top 500. That's why you know I think top 500 is really a a pretty good look at you know some of the blue chip prospects, in my opinion, because there's some really good guys that are just you know, high-end three-stars just below being four-stars that I think are really good players. And Pounds falls into that. He can play any of the positions along the offensive line really outside of center, and that's really just because he's never taken snaps there. Um, so you, you would just be concerned about, you know, his ability to snap the football. But he's got the physicality to play inside. Um, you know, he's he's a really good guy. I mean, if you watched him on film, if you just immediately put it on and took a look at him, pause the video right when you come out of the gate, you would look at him at 6'6", 306, and say to yourself, okay, is this a guy that can really cover laterally and you'll know, be able to take away speedier defensive ends? I mean, there are going to be some guys that could probably bother him if they keep him at offensive tackle, similar to what we saw from Joshua Zudu before they moved him inside to offensive guard. But this is a guy that can hold his own in pass coverage. Uh, I really like his hand placement. That's one of the big things. If you know anything about offensive line play, hand placement is key. If you can get control of that guy inside of the lapels, that's the best place to be because then you can move that offensive, that defensive lineman, excuse me, as you want to. He does that so often on film. There's a lot of really good technical stuff. The only concern is the footwork, but there's a lot of upside with him. And as I keep saying, you know, Zudu is the guy that I compare him to, and Carolina needs those types of guys on on the offensive line because you're always looking for that guy that can be able to fill multiple positions. You never really know when an injury is going to pop up, when you're going to have a guy that potentially transfers out of the program, and all of a sudden you need depth at a position. That's the flexibility that you get with Diego Pounds, and that's what really excites me a lot about his potential going forward. Another guy that, you know, I I just have to mention here again, we talked about him a little bit early in the show. Caleb Hood is a guy that a lot of people have said he's outside of the top 500 in terms of the composite rankings. If they played this season, he would not be there. He would have slid inside of the top 500. There were a lot of people that really liked him. Uh, Barton Simmons of 24/7 Sports went as far as to call him an athletic freak. So that's something you want to hear for a guy that's listed as an athlete that's going to have to change positions when he comes to Carolina. There's a lot of things to be excited about with this class, and uh, you know I, I think you know that that pretty much uh, you'll know, wrap it up here. We'll get our final thoughts really quickly on this, but. Uh, You know, overall, I mean, you look at the class rankings and you got to be pleased with it. Carolina, 13th. Uh, nationally in terms of the 24-7 sports composite rankings, uh, third in the ACC. You go over to Rivals.com, they have Carolina 16th uh, nationally, third in the ACC, and then ESPN sort of balances it out. They have Carolina 7th and 2nd in the ACC. So there is a, you know, it, it, there's a little bit of fluctuation all over the board and when it comes to this class and where it's ranked. But To see Carolina consistently ranked inside of the top 16 in the country with a lot of really talented guys and only a class that holds 18 commits and likely will hold 18 commits when we hit signing day on February, uh, you know, later on in February, um, I I think there's a lot to take away from this and be very confident about. I'm assuming that's also how how you feel, Zach, just from looking at this class, that even though it's a smaller class and Carolina's likely done, uh, there's a lot that can be built from this class and a lot of guys that are going to help you, especially on the defensive side of the football. Absolutely. And I think if you look at where the program is now and where the coaches said the program is
0: now, uh, this Tar Heel team is talented right now, but they need more talent and they need need more depth uh, because they want to build a roster that is a championship roster, that is a New Year's Six roster, whether that be ACC championship or national championship playoff team they want to build towards the ultimate prize and you know as a north carolina fan getting all these guys from in-state you look this class it's really hard to ask for anything better in my opinion yeah i, I
1: can't I, I can't agree more with you what a fantastic job by the uh, by the staff in what was just an unorthodox year as well uh, really great job by mac brown and everybody that uh, contributed, and, and man, this class is coming together. A lot of guys that can have the potential to make some early impact. So, we're going to take a break really quick, come back, and uh, we'll, we should have, we expect to have J.J. Jones, the three star wide receiver from the state of South Carolina. He is expected to be with us first. Uh, it's going to be an hour of just the guys in this class. We're hoping that we can get all of them on. We got some guys that are scheduled that I haven't heard back from just yet, but if not, we'll be able to filibuster a little bit to make sure that we can get. As many guys on as possible. So come back with us, stick with us for the next hour. Ton of great guys coming up. Uh, really exciting stuff, guys. Stick with us.